It's not just your dog that's eating on this week's podcast. <laughs> because the organic vegetable man has just been round with his delivery. Ooh. Not, he's not organic, obviously. <laughs> the vegetables are I th- organic. He probably, he probably is organic, actually. <laughs> There's probably no additives in him whatsoever. He looks like a fit and healthy guy. And uh, anyway, one of the things that he brought was some apples, because we order from him every week. There's a box of apples, and I'm thinking, I'm going to have one of these before the podcast. And they're big and red and juicy looking. And I bite into it, and oh my God, this has got to be the sharpest unsweet apple I think I've ever eaten. Oh, lovely. I, I love sour apples. I'm not, I'm not so keen on the, the sort of slightly softy, sweety ones. I like Granny Smith's. Mm, I don't like fluffy sweet apples, but I mean, man, this thing is like making my eyes water. Oh, <laughs> put it is, down. is that part of your diet? You, how's the exercising and the uh, eating well and the personal training going? Yeah, the training session has changed slightly because uh, my trainer has got a different routine. So I'm changing it up a little bit. Um, okay, cool. We're going to start going to three days a week fairly soon. But it was legs day in the gym yesterday, so I'm a little bit stiff today and I don't think I'm going to be able to walk tomorrow. But Yeah, yeah, it's good. You feel If you feel it two days after, you know you've worked really hard. Nobody wants to hear about my legs, Laura Cowell. <laughs> Not at all. There are things that I do want to talk about today. Um, I have an agenda. Excellent. I have some notes. Very organised. It is organised. People think that we just make this stuff up as we go along, which is, well, I could be bluffing. Yeah. Because yeah. I like to make it sound as if we've got no notes, even though I may have notes, but maybe I'm bluffing about the notes. Maybe it's a double bluff. Yeah. Maybe, maybe your notes just say what you're trying to avoid talking about. There's not a Google Doc big enough for that kind of stuff. <laughs> now, what I want to do, I want to talk about a couple of things. I'd like to talk about your article that you wrote from List Apart that came out this week. Cool. And then I'd like to talk about something that I've been planning for a little while that is in relation to mental health. Okay. Yeah, it's something that I've been planning for a little while and thinking about and finally got off my slightly firmer ass <laughs> to, uh, to do something about. No, people don't want to hear about that. No. Anyway, first off, I don't know whether you saw what I saw this week, but... Oh, man, I'm still traumatised by it. I'm not sure what you're on about, so probably not. I've not been on... I've been so busy this week, I've not been much on Twitter. I don't think I'm going to be the same again. What was it? Well, this week, Craig Lockwood, he of Five Simple Steps, and uh, and the web is, he posted a photo. Mm-hmm. It was a photo of his lunch. You didn't see this. Right. Oh, I did. Oh, no, I did it see this. It was a photo actually. of a yeah. burger. It wasn't in a brioche bun. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's gone one step beyond that now. I can tell you. This is... this. Is, it's, <laughs> it's a burger in a donut. A donut! Yeah, they ha- they have that somewhere here. Um, they do it in, a, in an actual Krispy Kreme donut as well, a branded donut burger. No! This... <laughs> I'd only just got over the thought of a brioche bun. This has to stop. This is like a burger from a parallel universe. <laughs> well, it's one way of making it as as sweet as a McDonald's burger and putting it in a donut. Did you know, and this is a fact my mum my told me she'd 
learned about it when she was at university for some reason. Um, apparently, if they didn't put a gherkin in the McDonald's burger, it would have to be classified as a cake because of the amount of sugar in it. That It may not be true, but my mum told me, and I trust my mum. I'm sure they're not as sweet as a brioche bun burger, though. Yeah, I, I imagine both have a considerable amount of sugar in them because of the, the briocheness. The thing that I can remember that just is just beggar's belief, when we were in America, I noticed this, and then I did a little bit of reading on the internet and found out that one of the biggest added ingredients that Americans put into sodas, you know, 7-Up or whatever, yeah. Sprite, when you kind of, you know, you go for the big gulp gallon or whatever Americans drink, mm. salt. Like an enormous amount of salt. And I remember sitting drinking a soda from a, you know, soda fountain and you, know, you lick your lips and you can taste the salt that they put in it. Oh, uh. And of course they put salt in the drink to make you thirsty again. Yeah. So you drink more and more. So you drink more of the crap. It's, yeah. it's the, uh, it's the cinema um, dilemma, isn't it? Where you get popcorn and one of those drinks and you end up wanting more of both because of the addictiveness of the buttery popcorn and the... This is... I'm trying to eat healthily at the moment. This conversation is not helping. <laughs> we always end up talking about food. Poor we old Josh really Cleland. He listens in every week. He's oh, man, you make me hungry. Yeah. I, I, the worst was you and Ashley listing all of the good foods, <laughs> all different cakes. I think one episode I was trying to... I was walking the dog, and just all I wanted to do was go home and eat all the sugary things. No, well, we've got to be very good, but who, who was it? Who was it that first thought about putting a burger in a donut? I mean, this thing had cheese and bacon. It doesn't compute. <laughs> well, it's like putting a deep frying a Mars bar, isn't it? Putting it in batter. That's no, that a makes perfect sense. That do. makes perfect sense. But you don't, oh no, I guess you do tend to batter other sweet things, but I just think of batter as something that goes on fish and chips. It's Scotland. They batter everything up there. <laughs> do you want to get battered? Um, no, there are certain food, strange food combinations that just work like a charm. Cheese and Christmas cake, obviously. I'd never heard of that one. That's what? very odd. It's a northern thing, probably. Oh, okay, You're from the right. south. Yeah. My nana used to always have uh, have a bit of cheese with their Christmas cake. What about peanut butter and jelly? Oh, yeah, that's the American classic, isn't it? Yeah, do you like that? Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty good. I like peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, toasted. Mm, that's good. So there are some things that obviously work together, and I can understand battering a Mars bar, but you don't put a burger in a donut. You just don't. <laughs> I'm it, sorry. It's the addition of the meat that makes it strange, I think. The fact that it's something meaty and sugary. Donuts, perfectly cool. Don't want to eat too many of them, especially Krispy Kremes. But lovely donuts, juicy, sweet, fantastic. Burger. You're like killing everyone's diets. Burger. <laughs> wow. Yeah, absolutely. You know, love a nice, slightly pink in the middle. Love it with cheese. A <laughs> little bit of bacon. Not so keen on maple syrup. They put that apparently in burgers in Canada. But no, burger in a bun, proper bun. Absolutely. Donut on the side can handle that. You don't put the two things together. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's very peculiar. This has to stop. 
The world's gone mad. <sighs> Before we say too much more... <clears throat> about burgers. About anything, we're going to get letters. We should thank our first sponsor for this week. Because you know who it is? Who it is it? It's Big Board. Big Board are back. They're sponsoring the show. Hey! And Big Board is a new service not so new as when we first started talking about them, that brings together the web-based tools that we use every day into a convenient and a beautifully designed dashboard. So here's the problem that I think a lot of us busy people face. We've got updates and conversations that are happening across a whole host of different services. So you might have project updates that are happening on Basecamp or Trello. Then there's your activity on GitHub, your diary in order on Google Calendar, um, I should stop there. Big Board integrates all of those services and a lot more. And to get started with Big Board, what you do is you simply connect the services that you want to use. So for me, that's going to be Basecamp to get started. And then you authorize the connection and that's it. I did the same thing with GitHub so I can keep track of any projects without having to go to GitHub directly and to receive, oh man, email notifications. Don't want those. Nah. They've recently, they've integrated Dribble. And then there are a lot more services along the way. So I don't use too many services. So I was pretty much ready to go. And then even better, what you can do is you can group data together from different services. So for instance, you might have a client on Basecamp for project management, and then you're hosting their Git repos on Beanstalk, whatever that is. <laughs> and you're tracking your time for that project in Harvest because apparently people do track their time. This is unknown to me. I've never tracked any time. Well, no, I had any time to track. And then you simply group them together in Big Board to see an overview of that project's activity for the day, the week, or the month. And Big Board's really well designed. There's a light and a dark mode, which I think looks really nice. And of course, Big Board is responsive, so you can keep it open on an iPad. It looks great. Big Board is only five of those salt added American dollars per month. God, that's nothing. High fructose, high polyunsaturated fat dollars. <laughs> five of those. And you can get started with a free trial, no credit card required, by going to unfinished.bz slash big board. And remember, you've got to remember, use the offer code unfinished at the sign up and you'll get an extended 30 day trial. So that's 60 days free trial, not 30. That's a good deal. And that's big board. Very nice. I see they have a Stripe service as well, so you keep track of uh, if you're taking payments or things. That's pretty cool. Mm. Oh, yes. So I can't believe that I'm just seeing this for the first time today, but <laughs> Anna Debenham tweeted a link to it. Have you seen the Alista Fart parody site? Yeah, I only saw that today as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's in good humour. It's so far, so <laughs> not far. like other parodies I've seen, but yeah, no, it's, no. it's, it, it's good. Yeah. It's a good Unlike laugh. other, some other magazine parodies we might mention. <laughs> yeah. Or would rather not mention. I <laughs> uh, like this one here. There's this article that right, Tim uh, Berners-Lee says the last T in internet is, re is silent. <laughs> yeah. That's good. <laughs> that's very good. Cause he wanted to, uh, make the internet sound Frenchy. <laughs> so I quite like that one. I really, really like empathy disruption 
Have you seen this one? Yep, I've seen that one. It's yeah. just empathy, 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 destruction, destruction. I tell man. Fantastic. <laughs> I hate how people use the word empathy. I, uh, sometimes it's the right term. It's, it's f- often for lack of there being a better term. I just have no empathy for people <laughs> to use empathy in that way. <laughs> oh man, drives me nuts. Punch in the face. It's mainly Americans. I think it has something to do with their diet. <laughs> I've been, I need to start, I can figure You're really, you, you, you're going to get letters, um, uh, lots of letters from Americans. I can feel another turn coming on. <laughs> anyway, you wrote this article for a list apart. Yes, one of my columns. Nice hat, by the way. Thank you very much. It's my summer hat. I, uh, finally changing up the avatar a bit. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's less chatty and more hatty. <laughs> You see, this is why I'm in advertising. <laughs> hey, do you want to hire me? Do you want to hire my advertising skills for indie? That's got to be my, my bio, isn't it? Less chatty, more Hattie. <laughs> Not Hattie Jakes. No. Although she, she's pretty cool. I know she was insanely cool. Yeah. yeah. Did you watch yeah. that? They did had a BBC, um, docudrama, I guess it would be, or drama, uh, uh, based on her life. Mm. Yeah, I've seen that. It's good that like that yeah she was an amazing woman mm. so sorry i'm just taking a bite of this apple again a force to be reckoned with such like this apple <laughs> yeah. you wrote this article breaking yeah. stuff mm-hmm. which i really liked thank you i'm not just buttering your bun <laughs> i actually did like it well it was i i'm at the moment because i'm going through such a strange transitional period of going from doing so much client work and which I still love and and I still I'm not going to be one of those people that goes to product stuff and then suddenly says that client work is rubbish no I love client work but in it's kind of a strange period where things are getting very different for me things are, I'm going completely new experiences completely different type of work strangely in the same house in the in the same office <laughs> in the same space um so a lot of things are the same, which kind of highlights how different other things are. And some of them are working with other developers, um, which I'm usually, um, actually I, of, I often collaborate, but at a distance with other developers when I was doing client work. And so having other developers in the office with me, sort of helping me unpick some of my problems, because previously I'd, I'd massively break something in the development of a site. It may have been something on WordPress or something like that, where I've sort of tried to maybe be slightly overambitious, um, given my limited skills. And then I'd suddenly have to do that embarrassing thing where you tweet out going, help, do, does does anyone know how to fix this? Or does anyone know how to do this in PHP or something like that? And of course, lovely Twitter people would always help me and it'd be great. But now I have the situation where I can go, help, I've broken this thing. Um, and I'll have people nearby that will come and help me. And that's really cool. And so it's finally helped me get over my fear of the command line. Because mm. I really started have, having to do a few things in the command line because it was the only efficient way of getting stuff done. A lot, a lot of Git stuff. Um, the, the, the GUI tools weren't terribly helpful and whilst they're very good for initially learning how to use Git and understanding, because I'm a very visual learner, uh, understanding how staging works and how the difference between what's a 
what's staging, what's committing, what's deploying. And that was very much helped by looking at those GUI tools. But now when I'm breaking things in the command line, I have cool people come help me unpick it and show me how to do it. And rather than sort of just taking over, because I think sometimes if you break something, a developer can really often just come bowl over, like, get out your chair. They'll take over. They'll drive the computer for a bit. Tap, tap, tap. Fix. There you go. Done. Whereas this is... I've I've been sitting there. If I've had a problem, particularly Andy, this great guy I've been working with, he'll come and he'll stand with me and he'll tell me exactly what to write and why I'm why I'm typing it in and what it's doing. And so I'm learning as I'm going along. So I'm really getting much better at doing that kind of thing by having that safety net of someone behind me that can say, ah, not that. No, do it this way. And this is why you do it that way. It's it's really incredibly useful. You know me in the command line. Yeah. Well, Best friends. I was exactly the same before. Totally um, mastered it, I have. <laughs> yeah. I'm a command line ninja warrior guru type now. Yeah, Terminal loves you. We should stop there. I'm going to get letters again. I need it. What I need is an Andy, because I am... Uh, I don't know whether it's just kind of old age, but I find it quite hard to follow things now. And, and I, I, yeah, I do want to learn certain things, and I feel stupid when I don't, when I can't understand it. I think a lot of tutorials and things are, it's very difficult for someone that knows why you do things to then go back and write a tutorial at a simpler step-by-step level. It's very, I know that I've, re- I've recently written a series on getting started with SAS and it was really, I, lucky I had a good technical editor picking me up on the, you might want to explain why you did that. Because otherwise there's a few things that I just completely forgot that something that I consider every day that's something I just do might need some explaining to somebody else. That's always been my bugbear with a lot of technical articles or tutorials is this sort of assumed level of developer knowledge. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, everything should be easy because, you know, where's the fun in that? But when you get stuck on the second sentence um, or you're sort of faced with some, I don't know, terminal command yes some terrifying error and the thing that always happens to me is i sort of get up on a i don't know a saturday morning feeling all empowered and i think right well i'm going to do this today i did it with i don't know jekyll or something yeah and you know you you follow the instructions how hard can it be you know anna debenham's written something you know it's it's going to be simple to follow and you type something into the terminal or you know you um you know, you cut and paste it from an article and then you just get some kind of impenetrable Unix error yeah. thrown in the terminal. And then you just go, do you know what? I'm going to go and watch, watch TV instead. Yeah. I, I, and that's how I've, I've felt a lot in the past. I think having people around to just rescue you a little bit and Twitter is great at that as well. Um, Twitter is generally, I found people are always so helpful and kind and, Never, oh, you're an idiot, you don't know how to do that. But very gentle with me. Um, and that's kind of nice, because if you sometimes, if you, cop- if you copy the errors that you find and paste them in and find an- something on Stack Overflow, oh, you find some of the meanest people on there. I think I'd be scared to ever post a question. Well, yeah, and I, I, I would always feel a little bit sort of wary about just cutting paste cutting and pasting something that has pseudo written in it <laughs> yeah you know because you know i don't know what these things are doing no it's it's a bit scary that i had and um, someone i should i'll retweet it and pass it to you for the show notes someone actually sent me 
a great article on 10 things that will really break stuff if you put them in to terminal. And uh, that's quite useful, actually. So you just know the few things to recognize that, yeah, if it looks a bit like this, don't do it. <laughs> well, I do want to learn and I do want to stretch myself. I'm not one of these people that just wants to stay wrapped inside my comfort zone. Although I think that it's important that people, you know, concentrate on the strengths. Yeah, well, it's that T-shaped idea, the idea that you try to develop a broad awareness of the platform and a broader understanding of the platform and remain open-minded to new things, but then you develop your strengths and you really play on your specialism and that's what makes you valuable in what you do. Because I think it's important that I have a broad understanding of what things are. And, you know, and I do for the most part. You know, I'm, I think I understand what Node.js is all about. But, you know, don't ask me to put anything together in it. Well, I think that's the, if you know enough to be able to get in the right person to help you with it, then that's the right amount to know. So you want to, you, you know, know enough to know, oh, well, I need someone to help me with this JavaScript. Um, and you know exactly what you need to ask them to do. And you kind of, you have enough awareness to know when they're going, when they're trying to take you for a ride. <laughs> Yeah, no enough to be dangerous as well. That happens with clients sometimes. Yeah. But you know, you know I can help you to have a, a general understanding, but I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm more for consolidating on what I know are my strengths and what I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, and then I am actively learning different things right now, but I'm going in a slightly opposite direction. I'm going much more into what I didn't learn from an advertising point of view or a creative point of view, rather than trying to do what, you know, you've been doing and I know a lot of other people do, which is to, you know, get more technical. I, it's funny. It's, it's more, I think the, the technical side, I'm, I'm definitely not trying to be a backend developer or anything like that. It's just to better help the way that I'm collaborating with other developers as I'm, as I'm now working with other more technical people. Um, the rest of the time I'm getting to really flex the design side a lot more because that's my role within the very small company that we have at the moment is to do a lot of these, uh, much more branding focused things. I'm doing a huge amount more writing and, and that kind of communication as well. That's fabulous doing that. I spent a morning writing content for a client and, uh, and loved it. It was really, really satisfying. Yeah, I really, I think, I really enjoy that. I think it's a, it's st still a really great element of design, uh, understanding tone and how, how to play the visual against the text, how to get the tone of the, the visual stuff the same as the tone of the text. I think that's a really cool design challenge. No, absolutely. And that's something a lot of people forget that, you know, that's why it makes no sense to me anymore at all. If it ever did how you could design something that had a visual flavor to it. You know, you're saying something when you make corners rounded mm. um, and then relying on, you know, a client or some third party to just like, you know, give you the copy to, you know, cut Ooh. and paste inside. Yeah. Or, or just sticking lorem ipsum in there. Oh, oh, I can't think of anything from a designer, the worst thing to do. No, but you know, there's often, you can have some, you know, you can have a, a really friendly, um, informally designed visual and the content can be stuffy, mm. you know, yeah. and people can talk about themselves in the third person, which is something <laughs> that drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, Go back to the 90s if you're going to do that. 
So you touched on this in your list of article, but what are you calling yourself now? Are you still a designer? Yeah, I'm just designer. It's it's a it's a broad um, title because I don't want to be restricted by my job title. In fact, I don't really even have a job title. We put up a team page this week and we actually opted for instead of job titles, we have rough descriptions of what we do. Um, because we're a very flat organization, there's not really, I mean, there's a kite, Aral's kind of the boss. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't have a say. You have to let him think that. <laughs> well, we, we have plenty of arguments about it, but it's okay. Cause I'm, I'm a boss in the rest of the house. So <laughs> it works out. We need someone to, we need someone with a vision to, to sort of maintain that vision and so that keep, keep things under control. We need someone that will have the final say. And it's very important to have that and someone leading the way. But we are, we're a very flat organization. And so I just, it's sort of, I'm designer, I design and that covers everything that I do. And Oral also d- is a designer. And we have Joe who is operations. <laughs> so we, and we have, uh, yeah, Andy who's web development and Victor who is in industrial design, which is slightly different from the design that the rest of us do. But that's because. Everything I do is design. Uh, the the writing, the communication, well, that's still design. The design that I'm doing on the products, and um, that might be a slightly different type of design. When I'm doing front end development, well, I'm doing that as part of designing the website. So it's all still design. And yeah, we don't need to be constrained by those job titles. I think job titles uh, they serve quite easily as a description when you're trying to help. Tell someone else who's not so well informed in the industry what you do. So if someone else asks me what I do who isn't in the industry, well, I'd probably say I'm a web designer. Because if I say designer, they're like, oh, what do you in- design? Interior design. <laughs> yeah, I know. So you have to be more specific. But otherwise, we don't need to be constrained by those titles so much. I just love Brendan Dawes's answer to that question, which is he makes things that fit in rectangles. yeah that's pretty good which i love but no i talked a little bit there was a tiny bit uh about this whole kind of what do we call ourselves and how does it relate how does it help us relate or stop us from relating to other people that we work with Mm. Um, i talked about this in my modern designers canvas talk that i've been doing this year yeah i gave it in oslo last week people there seem to like it tack to my norwegian friends who are listening because, you know, I've been picking up the lingo. That's a good one. No, but in this talk, I was talking about, and in fact, I've, I've made a little note of the quote here, which was that when we cross over into someone else's area of expertise and we work with their tools, we use that n- new knowledge or their different perspective. It can inspire us to move in a slightly different direction. And stepping into someone else's shoes not only gives us an appreciation for their work, but it can inspire us to do our own work better. That was the general kind of um, feeling behind it. Yeah, I like that. You know, I love the idea of close collaboration. I mean, you have a small creative team there. Um, I love the idea, and it goes back to Bill Byrne back in the 1950s, really, in advertising, where he was one of the first people to put art directors and copywriters together as a small creative team. Yeah. And I think, and I'm not the only person that's saying this, I was actually talking about this again, Tuck, 
by Norwegian friends talking about this in Oslo with with uh, one of the other speakers in that today's equivalent could quite easily be a designer and a front-end developer. Yeah. That kind of close creative partnership I find really, really fascinating. So I'm going to totally steal that. Yeah, it's a really a, a really great way to better understand what we're working with as well, to better understand the platform. I, I mean, for ages, of course, we've been saying, oh, designers should learn to code, do at least do front-end stuff, HTML, CSS. And it's it's an extension of that. It's just understanding a little bit further around the edges. Let's thank our next sponsor. Cool. Because it was funny, actually, when I was in Oslo last week, Tuck again. That's one Norwegian <laughs> word. Tuck and school. What does that mean? Cheers. Oh. When you buy a beer that costs uh, twelve quid, you have to say <laughs> you have to say school, which is is Norwegian for please take all my money. <laughs> Sounds quite serious though for cheer, a cheers equivalent. Well, it depends on how you say it, doesn't uh, it? That's true. I guess in Nor- Norway, where it's more expensive, it would sound slightly more serious. You could be really school, or you school. I think. I mean, Norwegians are probably like banging their heads on the desk at this point. I'm going to get angry, <laughs> angry DMs from. So you're doing Norway and the US. Uh, who who will you offend next? I don't know. Maybe I can go for the hat trick. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but one of the other speakers turned up carrying one of these things because it's Device Lab from Vanamco. Hey. These are the people that brought us Ghost Lab. A fantastic tool. Oh, it's amazing. But this time, it's not one of their software products, it's hardware because it's a responsive development stand. We've got one in the office and they call it Device Lab. So I'm sure you know one of the problems with designing and device testing of responsive designs is that you've got to have all these devices, you've got multiple smartphones and tablets scattered across your desk. And you have to pick them up and put them down. I mean, man, first world problem, but you know, you've got to check how your screen's looking across all different devices. And then they need to stay powered up. So you've got cables everywhere. And, oh, I hate that. And then if you work in a team and you share devices with other people, you've got to take the rig out. Um, you know, you've got to take it to a client site for a demonstration. Things just get really messy. And that's where Device Lab comes in because it's a little stand, small enough to sit on your desk, and it can hold an average of four to seven devices, depending on the size. So phones, tablets. You can attach the devices with Velcro hook and loop so they stay securely in place on the stand. And that's important because you can either use the stand in portrait or landscape orientation, just like a phone or a tablet. So you test your devices in one orientation and then you swing the whole case around, the whole stand around, you test in the other. It's brilliant. And cable management is built in too, so that takes care of all the spaghetti. And it just looks great on the desk. You can sit it right next to your computer. You're not going to want to keep it tucked away. You know, we've got one at the office. I've got my iPad mini, a couple of test phones attached to it, and it's fabulous. And the price is just 149 of those full-fat American dollars plus shipping. Or for $20 more, you can buy one that includes a license for Ghost Lab. And that's a nice touch because Ghost Lab normally costs $49 on its own. And then they sell an agency package that's three of these device lab stands, five ghost lab licenses, plus you get free express shipping, and that's $500. So go to unfinished.bz slash device lab and just get yourself a device lab. What are you waiting for? 
I need to get, well, I said this last time they sponsored, I'm sure. Um, the problem is it. we're bootstrapping, so everything's a bit expensive. But it very reasonably priced. We should really get the agency bundle because we've got a, a few million devices <laughs> in our office. Oh, particularly when you're designing a phone, you tend to accumulate a lot more phones as well. And uh, even just for knowing where they all are, it would be very useful to have something like that. So I think we've got about at least 20 phones sitting on the side downstairs. It's crazy. Wow. Have you got an iPhone 6 yet? No. Not big fans of the massive screens. Um, I've got I've got small hands anyway, and you know how much I drop my phones. I'm worried that if I get an iPhone 6, I have to wear it around my neck, because that's the only way I'm not going to drop it all the time. If you get an iPhone 6, you're going to have to keep it permanently wrapped in bubble wrap. You drop more phones than anyone else I have ever met. It's because they're too big. That, that's the problem. I never used to drop my small... I back, back to the iPhone 4 now. Not dropped it anywhere near as much. I have dropped it a few times. You need to send it back to simply fix it. <laughs> I do. I, well, I think, I unfortunately, the iPhone 5, I think, has pretty much bitten the dust now. I I dropped it. when I, it, it was already cracked. I dropped it the second time, and it's now in multiple pieces. <laughs> I don't know if they can do anything about that. I'll give it a go. They might be able to. They might be able to do something with it. Yeah, I should. I should. Never mind a device lab with Velcro. What you need, this could be your problem, is if you put the Velcro hook and loop on the back of the phone, and then you could just wear a glove with Velcro, like a Velcro glove. Yeah. I'm sure they do these things. Yeah, so it's just stuck to my hand. And that would be just permanently attached to you, which yeah. is normal. Which yeah, pretty much is yeah. <laughs> so one more thing before we get going. Can I just mention again, regular listeners will, will have heard about this. But, you know, it's my podcast. You sit and listen. <laughs> you can tell I'm on fire today. I am hosting a new CSS3 for responsive design workshop uh, that's alongside the WebIS conference in Cardiff on the 29th of October. That's a Wednesday. And if you come along, you're going to learn how to create layouts using Flexbox, you implement magazine-style layouts with CSS shapes, and how you can improve typography with multi-column layout. And there's a lot more, and there's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, we've got an offer code, which is, of course, unfinished, and that will save you 20% off the already really low £240 plus VAT. That's a full day, a full day with me. Such a bargain. For £240 plus VAT, learning all this fabulous new uh, CSS stuff. I mean, it's the cheapest workshop that I've ever done, and it's really good value, and I hope that people will join me. You just go to theweb.is, the web is, to get your ticket. Uh, Brad Frost, he's also doing a workshop on the same day, but no one's going to go to that one. <laughs> and they are they're both at the founders hub um uh, yes but on different floors so uh it's a lovely space i've been there yeah no that's how we were able to keep the cost down because normally speaking i talked about this a few weeks ago normally speaking it costs you know a decent amount of money for like a delegate day rate in a commercial venue you know you pay yeah not shy of a hundred pound per person that comes along if you you know if there's catering and AV and, you know, a seat to sit on. Yeah. Whereas, so generally speaking, you know, you're looking at probably about 350 quid per delegate per day, which is, yeah, you know, if you're going to make a right. decent profit, you're going to make it worthwhile. But because we're using the Founders Hub and Craig's providing everything else, 
then we can do it for a lot less and um you know hopefully people will come sure they will it'll be great i i, I love it there it's re- really really lovely space really nice area so it'd be a nice trip away well you ought to come along let's talk about something that I've been thinking about, I've had planned for a little while that I think is actually going to be quite important. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's a personal thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also something that I'd actually like listeners help with. So for the first time, there's usually me just saying, you know, come to my workshop. You <laughs> but actually <laughs> I'd quite like some help with this. And yeah, we do have, we do have a lot of regular listeners who, you know, they care about a lot of the stuff that we talk about. So I'm hoping that a few people out there are going to be able to help me out with this. So did you listen um, to the episode that I did with Paul Boag a couple of weeks ago? I did indeed. In fact, I listened to it this morning. I'm really, really proud of that episode. I mean, I know you, you know, we've done a lot of good ones, but I thought that was, a, that was a special one. And, and we're still getting letters about it. I thought it was, very good. I didn't necessarily agree with everything you were talking about, but I thought it was very good. Paul and I, we've 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 sort of both suffered from depression over the years. Um, we've both struggled with issues, you know, personal, professional ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, and I can say this for Paul because you know he is a good friend. Um, we are both currently. In fact, no, we're both permanently, I think, perpetually uh, on the edge of a meltdown. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know I am at the moment. And I know that there are a lot of other people who are in our circle of friends and in the wider industry that feel pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, Not just about, you know, burnout or meltdowns or, you know, whatever, but more important things. I mean, we've seen over the last few months, um, you know, we've seen suicides, we've seen attempted suicides. I've seen and talked to people that are, you know, crippled with depression. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot more than burnout. It's a lot more constant. And, you know, Paul said something interesting actually in, in that he said, you know, look at who we are and what we do. You know, you've got people that are on somewhere along the Asperger's spectrum, or you've got people that just sort of sit in front of a computer and think all day, some kind of creative personalities, yeah, the you know, designer we, temperament. We're not exactly cut out for, for being healthy. I think that one of the reasons why people like that episode so much was that we were starting to get into that kind of area. We were starting to talk about these kind of things and how we were feeling. And that's not something that as a group we talk much about, I don't think. No. In fact, I'd say frequently people avoid it. So here's the first thing, right? And the first thing is that I think we we need to, as a group, as an industry, be more open about. Because, you know, one of the things that Paul said, you know, he's like, man, people are going to be sitting there at home th- saying, God, he spent two weeks doing nothing. You know, I thought it was only me. And I think to a certain extent, sharing experiences and helping each other is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is, is right. You know, and this is probably the bit that you disagreed with me on, which is, you know, I don't give a damn whether people anyone says that you know we were talking about you know white male privilege or whatever there are good people and there are bad people in this industry and i think 
keeping a positive outlook that there is a lot more good people than bad and they do a lot more good than bad and can be incredibly supportive um, at all kinds of levels. And I hear this every day and particularly in relation to mental health, I think that this is incredibly important. No, I, I agree with you completely on that. I think there is a, a huge amount of positivity out there. It's much easier to shine a light on the negativity. It's much easier to remember the negativity. But there is there's a, so many wonderful people, very supportive people. I suppose people will, you know, they might they might have listened in the past. You know, they might have they might know about my issues over the years. They might know that they came really, I think, from, you know, my dad's suicide. Um, and he was only 38, which is really sad. Mm. Um, I mean, he, he suffered for a long time. Um, he suffered a lot of trauma in early life, my dad. Um, I don't think I've ever mentioned this. I don't think anyone's ever mentioned this in a kind of a public space, but Poor fella, he was he was a kid and he was playing with his little sister by a canal in Lancaster, mm. and she fell in and drowned. Yeah, and that kind of experience. Whoa! And people blamed him for what had happened, which was That's you know awful. which was which was a terrible thing. And then he spent years and years struggling with depression. I'm told, and it threatened suicide. Um, my mother tells me that he did this a lot. Um, you know, he went through one failed marriage to my mum and, you know, he lost me in the process. Um, and then, and then the poor guy drank weed killer and killed himself. Um, I'm sorry. If this is a tough listen, I'm really sorry. No, I, if I'm quiet is that I'm listening. I, if things are hard, but I think, it's important to hear these things. It's important to be able to talk about these things. And in turn, when you're talking about them, it's important for me to listen to them and not just interrupt you. <laughs> no, you're very good at not interrupting me. Um, unless it's about donuts. <laughs> but no, I've, I, I struggled with, with that. Uh, I mean, I wasn't around actually when, when, when he died, um, which I suppose was part of my problem in a way. Yeah, difficult in a different way. Um, you know, and, and was my absence in any way to blame, you know, either directly or indirectly, you know, was I, did I contribute some how to, you know, his state of mind? Um, so, you know, you do carry that, that guilt around with you. Um, and I suffered for, for years with depression. I mean, I, I went to the doctor about it and they, they kind of misdiagnosed me as, you know, manic because, you know, they look at my history, mm. you know, you know, they, they see what you found, what happens in your family and they go, well, he must be following a pattern. And, you know, and I worried about that for a long time. You know, was there something kind of inbuilt, you know, was it, was there some kind of chemical imbalance that, <laughs> um, you know, that I needed to correct with medication or something that I know a lot of people do. Yeah, labels aren't terribly helpful in those situations. And, you know, finally, actually, finally, after so many years, and this is really, this is going back to, oh, God, you know, not that long ago. We're talking kind of 2011, 12. So, you know, only a few, couple of years ago, I started doing some therapy. And through that 
through that conversation, um, began to realize that it wasn't really about, um, a chemical imbalance. It was much more about trauma in a way. Mm. And I'd been much more, uh, traumatized by what he did than, than I think I possibly had thought. Yeah. Um, and what I'd done was I'd completely shut down, um, in lots of different ways and ended up with what the therapist has, and I've read up about this, it's called depersonalization disorder, mm. which is basically that kind of classic feeling that, you know, life is going on around you, but you're not really part of it. Yeah. It's almost as if you're watching life through a window, um, and very little actually you know, gets in, um, you know, be they other people or, you know, your own emotions or whatever, you know, just horrible things. I mean, I can remember when Alex was in hospital, you know, really seriously ill in hospital when he was sort of, you know, five or six and, and got pneumonia, you know, looking back, that's the kind of thing that, you know, should have been devastating, mm. but you know, I didn't feel it, you know, and I never felt, uh, I never felt real sorrow and I never felt real happiness. Everything was muffled. Um, and I know I talk about this a lot, but you know, there's a, there's a particular quote from Mad Men because I'm sure Don Draper suffers from the same thing. Oh yeah. And he said that he's, he was scratching at his life trying to get into it, which, and that's exactly how I felt. Mm. Exactly how I felt. Um, so, and it was only through that process of counseling that and therapy that I, you know, I came out the other side and not through, you know, not through drugs, but literally through talking. And it was, it was an amazing experience and, uh, and I'm much, much, much better for it now. But, you know, I think that that, and I think that what we've seen over this year in terms of, um, things that have been happening with people that we know. Yeah. And not just with them directly, but I saw the effect that Chloe Wiles' uh, suicide had on some really dear friends of mine. Yeah. Um, you know, things that they are really still struggling to cope with. And I just, I want to do something. You know, I want to do anything, something that's going to help. Yeah. So I was talking with, um, with our good friend Liz Elcote a while back. Oh, she's brilliant. She is. And she's talked about her issues on what's that other podcast called? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, we talked about potentially uh, hosting an event for, of some kind. And the idea was to put on some form of kind of small informal I hate to use the word community, but, you know, local event where people would be invited to come and speak, not a conference, but invite to speak on experiences, basically. And you know, as we know, lots of, lots of people have lots of different experiences and there are different facets to mental health issues and depression, etc. Um, and I thought that it was very important to also get somebody from a mental health charity or a mental health professional to contribute as well. Yeah. So that it's not just a bunch of geeks talking about how depressed they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what we were going to do 
and this was all arranged. This was all set up. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually going to put on an event the day after the web is, which is a Saturday. Yeah. Um, so the web is starts on the Wednesday, I think with the workshops, um, which you have to come to mine. And then the conference is, uh, Thursday, Friday. And then we were going to do this thing on the Saturday in the founders hub. And I'd spoken to uh, a bunch of people. I'd spoken to Cole Henley, who's been on the show recently, and a few other people to sound them out as to whether or not that they would want to help with this kind of event. Mm. And they all said yes. It was kind of, um, it was all kind of set. And uh, Craig was going to offer the space and Five Simple Steps were going to sponsor any travel costs, etc., which was brilliant. Um, and then I got an email from... Uh, Richard Wiggins, you know, lovely Richard who runs. Yeah, he's great. Oh, he, he's another fantastic guy that runs the Milton Keynes Geek Night, um, event. And him and David had actually have been having a lot of similar thoughts, um, stemming from a lot of the same issues. So we thought that rather than doing two competing events. Yeah. What we should do. And obviously they wouldn't compete in a kind of, you know, business sense. No, no, no. But two similar in- Two similar areas, events yeah. having it. That we should actually join forces and do something as part of a broader initiative, a broader idea that would include far more than our small endeavours. Um, and what we suggested, what what we came up with was that what, and what I want to do is I want to I want to denote the very last week of October. Right. That's the week that begins the 27th as a geek mental health week. Cool. And what's planned is a week of events, including the Milton Keynes event, plus what I think could be a coordinated um set of blog posts and articles in magazines like a list part or smashing magazine, etc. People can write, they can contribute, they can talk about things on podcasts like this. So for example, that week, the topic will be the mental health issue on unfinished business. And I hope that lots of other people on different podcasts will do the same thing so that everything about, um, everything about what we published that week is all about mental health. Um, and, the aim should really be to raise awareness about these issues that we have and obviously point to resources and solutions and support because yeah. I think a lot of people need it. Yeah. So I've sounded out um, a list apart and they've agreed that um, they'll be publishing some mental health related articles that week. Brilliant. And the same thing with uh, with Smashing Magazine as well and some more. And it's also Web Directions, which is going on in Australia, which I think is the same week. And there may be an, list, uh, an event apart. Um, now, I don't know whether people will be able to tie a lot together, but I just hope that what will happen is that we will have a lot of conversations that week across a broad range of media about mental health issues. And that's what I want to do. I think that's fantastic. I think that's such a brilliant idea. And I love that you've extended it from one event to a much greater way of involving more people, having more reach, not making it... Because I think the risk around having one event is you make it quite exclusive to those who can be there and join in. 
whereas making it part of a greater initiative means that more people can join in. And if it's written and things like that, then people can refer back and read that far further into the future as well. So a couple of things have changed since that early idea. Right. Um, I've had a minor meltdown. So actually, to be honest, I've just had the blinkers on and I've mm. been so focused on work, both client work and writing uh, a new conference talk for Berlin and a few other places and my workshop too, which is an enormous amount of work. I mean, I'm, I hope people realize how much goes into putting a full day workshop on because it's, I mean, you know, it's a massive amount of work. So I've been, you know, I've been really struggling and I haven't given the, the time to actually do the Saturday event that I mentioned. However, through a strange set of circumstances, um, Craig has actually asked me to speak at the web is now. So I'm closing the first day of the show. Nice. Now what I don't have is I don't have a talk and I was quite open about this. <laughs> um, and the talk that I'd, that I'd sort of half had an idea about, I mentioned this when I talked about Paul was this whole idea of the web being people. Um, and that can be an acts of kindness. And this can be extended out, I thought, into talking about some of these issues. Mm -hmm. So what, what we've decided to do is that my session at the web is will not be me standing up on stage talking about these things. What we're going to do is we're going to do it much more in a talk show format. In fact, I think that we'll probably record it and it may end up just going out on unfinished business that week as well. Oh, nice. Is that I and some invited guests, including hopefully a mental health professional, um, will spend the hour not in a panel format because, you know, I'm no Jeremy Keith, much more in a kind of a, um, a Michael Parkinson format, perhaps. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe a, maybe a, um, maybe a, a Russell Harty format, something like that. Um, much more of a, of a, of a talk show format where people can talk about a certain it, you know, certain issues that they have or that they've experienced. And I hope that that will spark a lot of conversations. I, I think I've already, I've already got an idea for a post that I will write. So how can people help? Well, I think that this thing needs a website, but I don't think it needs anything complicated. Uh, you know, much as I love perch, I don't think we want to be monkeying around with CS, their uh, CMSs with this kind of thing. So the idea that I've had is that what we should do is we should put up a simple, potentially even one page site that lists all of the events and all of the conversations that are going on about geek mental health issues that week. Great. Be that articles in magazines, blog posts, um, be that podcast episodes, be that, you know, fringe events or whatever else is going on in support of this particular initiative. And the idea is, is that if we put something together on, let's say, GitHub pages, anybody, and literally anybody, can contribute a new article or a, a link to an article or a resource or whatever. They can put their own event. I don't want it to just be limited to this event. So I want people to be, you know, having uh, events that are happening that week in wherever they live having these kind of conversations. And if they want to put a link to that up on this main website, then all they need to do is just submit a pull request and, you know, we'll just push it. It seems like a sensible way of actually putting it together. 
Yeah, and it takes the onus off you when you're having to focus on all of these other things as well. There is that too. So what I would like is I would like a couple of people to step forward and volunteer. I mean, I, I'm confident that what we really just need is a very simple typographically based you know, responsive design. We don't need anything fancy. It's, you know, it's a page of text, but you know, beautiful typography will be fantastic. Um, what, what we really need is somebody to actually take care of the technical side of it. Yeah. You know, there won't be, you know, there'll be HTML and there'll be CSS and there likely won't be any JavaScript. It's mainly just putting that together in GitHub pages, getting it up online and, um, and just managing it for me. And if there's somebody that could step forward and do that, um, I don't have a budget, but you know, I'll find something to give you. It could be a burger and a donut. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I'll buy you the stupidest burger in the world. <laughs> if anybody wants to, uh, you know, wants to help with that. That would be fantastic. And that's it. That's, that's what I wanted to, to say. I think that's great. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be a great opportunity for people to share. I think, um, it's funny. I, myself, I get burnout and things like that, but I've not had anything that I would describe close to the kinds of experiences and depression and other diagnosed things that other people have but i have a huge amount of experience of other people people that i care about people that i'm close to having those kinds of experiences and particularly on the extreme side as well and i think that there's something to be shared about that too about how to how to support people that you care about in those situations Um, because i think some of the hardest things is understanding people not getting frustrated with them and trying to, it's hard to put yourself in somebody's shoes when they feel that way, a way that is so completely different from how you feel, but at least trying to be sympathetic and understand how to support people in that way. No, unsung heroes is apparently what, what they're called. But it's, it's, it's massive. And yeah, I don't want it just to be about, um, you know, about the people that suffer. You know, it's, it's about, like you say, about people around them too. Families and friends. Yeah. I think there's a, a, there's a lot that can be done. I think it's, it's not just about, um, it's not just about, uh, people being able to express themselves, but also about us everyone else understanding how best to support anyone who's going through this kind of thing. Well, so there we go. I've managed to get through it without blubbing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The week beginning October the 27th, um, geek mental health or mental help week, depending on how we brand it. (laughs) I know that it's a bit short notice. It's way shorter notice than I wanted to do it. Um, And I wanted to really start talking about this at the beginning of September, not the beginning of October. But, you know, I've not been in the right frame of mind and, you know, I've been putting it off. But I've had some conversations with a few people over the last week or so, and they've said, you know, that was such a good idea. Are you not doing anything with it now? And it's like, it's, it's more than just me and my stupid burnout that is at stake. People could benefit from this, which is why I think that um, it's important to do. But I think that's you're being very sensible in the asking other people to help out as well because you're not you're you're it's it's a it's like a 
a metaphor in itself. You're working out the balance for yourself. You're working out what you can and cannot cope with at the moment. And that's one of the things that you need to pass on. What a lovely note to end it. And you know what? We are almost bang on the hour. Wait. See, I like when I talk to you because we keep it to the point. Not like when I waffle onto Boag for weeks. Well, I'm, I may or may not have put that episode onto one and a half times speed. <laughs> <laughs> so people can follow you, Laura, on Twitter. You are still Laura Calbag. That is true. And nobody can change that. No or me at Malarkey to ask questions or suggest topics. You can message this show on Twitter at unfinished BZ, or you can email me. He has at unfinished dot BZ. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were the fabulous big board and the device lab from Fanampco. As always, you can support our show by supporting them.